loosed, being set free to worship. Um, but if you're here this morning and you really feel like you want to you wanna get a head start on getting loose, I guess, I want you to just pray with me right now. Father, have your way here in this place today. Mighty God, we, we give you permission. We give you the key to our heart, to the innermost places, to open us up, to bring us up, to set us free, to lift us, oh God, uh, before you, that you can have your way in our hearts and our lives this morning. God, prepare us in worship to worship. Prepare us as we come before you to really come before you. Prepare us as we lift our hands, God, to lift our hearts and, and let you do the work in us, that great work, that mighty work that you want to do. We give ourselves to you today. Have your way here, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. Okay. I want to speak. That echo? I want to speak this morning from uh, Luke chapter 13. A, a story, an account that I, I don't really hear much. And, uh, and I want to talk about it. It impressed me this week. Let me read it. It says in Luke 13, 11 through uh, 17, well, in verse 10, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, who was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. The Lord then answered him and said, You hypocrite. Do you teach one on the Sabbath day to loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all the adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for the glorious things which were done by him. And I look at this, and it's a great story because it, it, it's, a, it's a picture of something that we, we deal with. And it's a picture of, of both ways that it worked with the woman, what he did with the woman, and what the ruler of the synagogue and what some of the people there thought. And I thought it fits so well to sometimes where we are, the way we look at things, the way we think. And, and the first thing I want to look at this woman's affliction was that it was not just some, she wasn't just sick. She didn't just have the flu. This was, she was bound. It was a de demonic thing, and says so she was bound by Satan. So that's the first thing. This was a sickness that wasn't ordinary. It was a sickness that was associated with the devil and was sin. And, and, and that's how it works. And so she was bound 18 years. 
18 years and she was stooped over so much that she couldn't get up. And um, when you think about that, and I talk about how it happens, you, you, you would have a, a discomfort. And so if I lean up a little, well, now it doesn't hurt. When I go back here, it hurts. When I lean back, it, I, I get away from the pain. But then sooner or later, it kind of hardens up and I have to go forward a little more to get away from the pain. And then I'm fine, but if I try to straighten up, you know, you wife, straighten up, it hurts. And so you're back down here again. And, um, and so then, you know, you're here and that's fine for a while. But then you have to bend a little more. You keep running from the pain, running from the pain, running from the pain. And, and after a while, I can't straighten up beyond this. And after a while, I'm farther down and farther down. And I believe that's what she had. There are several names for it. And uh, Dr. John could probably name right off the top of his head what they are as the spinal starts to calcify and harden up on you. And over the course of 18 years being afflicted with this, she was at a point where she was just bowed down so low that, think about it, it was debilitating. She could not, she was in the synagogue. Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. In Galatians, Paul says that sons of a daughter of Abraham is used once, but sons of Abraham are used a few times. It's about a person of faith. Abraham was the father of faithful. As a daughter of Abraham, she was of the faithful. She was not a demon-possessed person. She was a uh, uh, devil-oppressed person. She was a person that loved God, went to the synagogue on a regular basis, was a daughter of Abraham, but was oppressed and beaten up and, and pushed into a deformity of body that would have to affect your spirit and everything else about you. And, and that's who she was, and that's how she was when Jesus came in and looked at her. And normally, a lot of times when we read about these folks, you know, the woman with the issue of blood for all those years, and it's a picture of faith. And they would, she would crawl on her hands and knees through the crowd because faith came up in her and she decided, I am not going to be denied. I am going to make my way through this crowd. I am going to touch him. I am going to be delivered. I am going to be healed. And, and, and she would touch the hem of his garment and hallelujah. And it was all on her. It was according to her faith. And the Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, sitting by the side of the road on the way to Jericho, would see Jesus coming and he would cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when they tried to shut him up, it says he cried louder and louder and he would not be shut up because his faith was such that he knew I am going to receive what I need today. I am going to push through. I am going to cry out. I'm going to do what I have to do. To, um, to get the victory. I will not be denied today. It's an exercise of faith. <clears throat> but here with this woman, there's no exercise of faith. She came to synagogue every Saturday like she always came to synagogue. Every Sabbath day she would be there. 
She would see Jesus, and probably she knew who he was because everybody knew who he was. But she didn't come to him. She didn't call to him. She didn't reach out and touch him. She didn't get on her hands and knees and crawl across the floor. She didn't do anything. It says he saw her, and she was bowed down, couldn't get up. She was bound that way for 18 years. And he did something that he hardly ever did. He initiated. He initiated. You know Jesus hardly ever initiated. There's only one miracle that he really went and did without, without having any setup at all. And that's when he healed the widow's son at Nain, which was a type of what Elijah did. But here he says he called her. He called her. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. She was bowed together and included no wise lift herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to her and said to him, Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. Joey's going to help us this morning. He's going to uh, come right up here, Joe. I'm going to show you how this works. See, this is a regular Joe right here. Walk around, come on with me, Joe. Walk around. Look at this, how nice, right? Raise your hands, praise the Lord. Put your stirrup back on. Praise the Lord. A little louder. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look up. But here's what happens. As we're going about our business, the devil, it said, came and put this rope right to here. Walk around. He's still able to walk around. Yep. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, no problem. Well, it took 18 years. And a little farther, the next year, the devil said, oh, yeah, let's try that. Go ahead. Straighten up. Praise the Lord. Well, that's pretty good. But you know what? The devil said, I got time. I got nothing but time. And he came. And he tightened up a little more. Go ahead, walk around. Yeah, look, he's still looking me right in the eye. Okay, I'll fix you. Want to look at me in the eye? Right? And so he just came and tightened a little more. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. (laughs) He is still able. Look, he's looking right at me in the eye. Raise your hand. He is still able to do that. Not as well as he could, but he is still able. Go ahead, take a walk, take a lap. He's still able, but he's looking like a turtle, right? He's turtling up, but he's still able. And then we just take down a little bit more. Now, now praise the Lord. Oh, where are you looking? Nowhere. Can you look at me in the eye? Nope. Raise your hand. What is your perspective? Can you see what these beautiful lights do to the ceiling? Nope. No. Can you, can you look over here and see my hand? No. Can you look up and see God? Uh, no. Good thing he's everywhere, huh? 
changes your whole perspective. Go over there, sit down. Don't loosen up, don't loosen up. You stay right down like that. Just go sit down like the woman was in the synagogue, all bound up, okay? Being bound by sin, weighed down gradually, a little more, a little more, a little more every year. Being put into a position changes your whole perspective. It makes you look at things differently. Instead of being able to worship, instead of being able to look up, instead of being able to look people in the eye, instead of being able to smile and get a smile, instead of being able to see things the right way, it changes your perspective where all you see is down. All you see is the ground. You can't lift your hand if you want to. You can't look up if you want to. After time, sin is debilitating. It was debilitating to this lady in body, but in body will do the same to your spirit. We'll get after time of sin after living in something, after the, and it says very clearly she had a spirit of infirmity, and later it says it's right to loose this woman, this daughter of Abraham, who Satan had bound. This wasn't just sick. She just didn't have some disease. This was a spiritual malady that she had. She was afflicted. She was affected by the enemy. It's a spiritual condition as well as a physical condition. It's what the devil does to us if he gets an opportunity, if he gets a crack, he will do stuff to us. And as I came up to Joey and tightened that rope, he will keep pulling that rope and pulling down our spirit. Just like he pulled down this woman's neck, he will pull down our spirit and cause us to lose our perspective, cause us to lose our straightness for God, cause us to lose the things that God has done in our life. She was a child, a daughter of Abraham. She was a faithful woman. She attended the synagogue. She did what she knew to do. But there was something in her life that had gotten out of hand. Many of us know what it is like to mess around with something a little bit and have it get out of hand. Just recently, I, wish, I should have brought the picture. I could have put it up there. I was burning a little fire. I was getting ready to sell my mom's house, and I was cleaning stuff up. And I saw it going over near this little shed, and I knew better, but I just said, ah, i got to burn the shed down anyway. And there was a flames as high as those fans and I was worried that someone is going to call the cops on me and the fire trucks are going to come and I'll probably have to pay a fine. And, um, and they didn't come, but there was something in there, had black smoke billowing and it's like, I am in trouble. And little things get out of hand and spiritual things can get out of hand. Things that don't seem like a big deal. It's no big deal. It's just a little. It's just my way. It's just something. When they get out of hand and you don't notice it. You notice it with Joey walking back and forth because you saw it in the course of a minute and a half. You don't notice it over a long period of time when all of a sudden you're going from being straight to a little stooped over and a little more and a little more. And then finally people are telling you, straighten up, fix your posture or straighten up. Why are you messing around with this sin? Why are you letting this stuff get the better of you? Why are you letting it take control of you? Why are you letting it master you? Why are you becoming a slave to it? 
But you don't notice that you're a slave to it because it happens so gradually, so slowly, and, and eventually you're bending just a little bit more and a little bit more. And by the time you're bent a certain amount where it's noticeable, it's got you. It has you. You can't straighten up because it's painful to straighten up. It's too hard to go back. And so you take the easy road and you just keep walking more and more. But the thing is, it gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually, it has you tied in a knot. Think and say, what is that thing that is pulling me down like a rope on my neck? What is it that's pulling me down, that's making me bent, that's changing my perspective? You probably can think, and, and one thing is popping right into your head, isn't it? If you honestly look, there's at least one thing popping in your head. Maybe there's more. There's something that is pulling me down. It is a constant downward pressure in my life, a constant downward pressure in my spirit, just pulling me down. And it's a battle. And we battle back and forth. And sometimes it's getting us and then we pull back up. But when you give up, eventually, and over a long period of time, it will change you, it will bend you, it will bow you. The touch of God makes straight what sin has made crooked. The biggest thing is it takes a long time for us to get so bad that we notice. How bad does it get until your boss has to have a talk with you and say, uh, you've been taking a little time out of work. How come? Where you been? It takes a little time until things start happening, the bank accounts are dry. It takes a little time until you know, stuff starts to become noticeable. And we let things slide because they're gradual. It just works that way. Joey, come back up. So uh, we've got to go down a little more than that, my brother. (laughs) So behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and she came. As I said earlier, she didn't exercise great faith in come finding him, searching for him. She waited till she was called. A lot of times we wait until we're called, and that's fine. You know what's important? When you're called, we answer. Oftentimes, people don't answer. God will call. God initiates. Our whole salvation experience is initiated by God. We never come to God first. God always came to us first. In every instance, God initiated and came to us. He knocks on the spirit of our heart. He knocked on our door and says, here I am. I'm here. I love you. This is who I am. I am Jesus. I am your Savior. And what will you do with me? He called this woman and she came. Come. 
that stirrup back on. And he said, be loosed. Get back down. (laughs) And when he said be loosed, she was loosed. But does it say she got back up? No. He said you're loosed. But she didn't get up. And then he had to do something else. He had to touch her. Now, Jack in the Box. Spring! Go back down. Go back down. Now, if, if he's like a spring, and he's been bent down 18 years, remember the plant. <laughs> he's been bent down 18 years. He gets called. He has the faith not to initiate, but the faith to respond. And he comes. And Jesus said, he spoke the word, you're loosed. A lot of loosing, three times loosing gets mentioned in these few little verses. You're loosed. She was loosed at that point, but he had to touch her. When he touched her, I believe everything in her, everything that held her down, everything that held her back, Everything that was crushing her spirit, everything that gave her a perspective of only seeing shoes and never seeing eyes, never looking at anyone in the eyes, never being able to praise God, never being able to lift your head. Never, we take it for granted. All of that could not do. But when that touch happened, like a jack in the butt, like a spring. You ever take something apart and the spring flies out and you lose it because it just shoots out? Some of you are smiling, you've been there. Like a spring just exploding, like an elastic just popping off. When he touched her, he, she was loosed by the power of the word and she was loosed indeed. Spring. Too slow. Praise the Lord. Spring. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Woo-hoo. God. You're a slow spring. <clears throat> That's what happened. This is something that God does. He speaks the word. We're healed by the word. He created everything by the word. The word has its effect. But sometimes when the word is spoken, we have a problem with the, the understanding it. We have a problem with walking in what he said he does. We read this stuff in the word. We read what God has said is. It is. We understand that he is a God that lives in a world that we can't see. That the things that are not seen are more real than the things which we do see. We have a way of looking at stuff and saying, if I can touch it, if I can feel it, if I can see it with my eyes, it's real. But what's more real is the spirit world, the eternal world, the things of God. is more real because he created everything we see. And we wrestle with the word because we know what it says, 
but it's hard because I have been beaten down. I have been tied down. I have been wound down. I have been pushed down so long. It's hard because my perspective is down, because everything I know is down, because my whole life for so many years has been down. I'm used to down. I don't know how to straighten up. Even if the pain is gone, I am so used to being bowed down and bent over that when the pain is gone and I can walk out, I don't. Like the elephant tied from a little baby with a giant chain around his foot. But when he grows to the giant pachyderm, could just pull it out with a simple move of his foot, but doesn't because he's been trained to realize you are under constraint. We have the power, we have the the spoken word, we have the written word of God telling us, you're free, you're free. Bend up, stand up, praise God. But we don't because it has happened to us over so long a period of time we get used to, we get, we get trained, right? We grow into it. That we, we let these things that have controlled us, control us, even though they don't have power over us anymore. It's, it's like the, um, the, the, when after the Emancipation Proclamation and the, the slaves were freed in the South, they were free. It was a fact. It was, it was, it was the way it was. But many of them didn't have the free mentality. The free mentality didn't soak in. The free in paper soaked in, but the free mentality didn't soak in. And they would stay and be sharecroppers and, and, and stay and work and do different things, not according. Every, they weren't all Frederick Douglasses. There's a, there's a freedom that happens that has to be experienced that is more than a freedom on paper, that's an experience that I run into. We are delivered from things on paper and frankly in reality, but until we get some touch, something that happens that makes us go beyond what the Bible says, what the word says, what really is, and feel it and are able to walk in it, to spring up. When Jesus touched her, It set that spring loose. It says she immediately, she started to leap up and praise God. It was something that she had been freed to do. He said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid our hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Immediately her perspective changed. Immediately her life changed. This, that we, we struggle so much with the things that we read and trying to make them line up with the, the facts, the circumstance of our life. And I look at my life and say, my, my circumstance, and so somehow, so we make this something of, well, in time, you know, time will tell, God will do this eventually. I'm going to heaven and this will be the case. And God is going to deliver me. But, you know, I'm down in the body. I'm in the flesh. And eventually I'm going to get to this place. God does these things now. Yes. We walk in the power of resurrection now. The freedom of God, the, the deliverance of Christ is now. The blood shed and the power of that shed blood is now. 
to experience deliverance is for now. Yeah, there's a change coming later, but the deliverance is for now. He said, you're loosed. She, she needed a touch because your loose didn't sink in. Her perspective was so much, even though she was healed, her perspective was such that she just stayed in that pen. The door was open, but she didn't go out. Her perspective was such, all she knew was such, that she couldn't live and walk in the reality of what was. She needed to be grabbed. She needed to be touched. She needed something that he did to her to to get her a, a boost up that she would spring up and realize there's no pain in my back. This bondage, this rope, this tying that was there, this hardening of my spine is gone. I'm able to stand. I'm able to stand. I can do it. He took her and introduced her to the reality of what was. That she was loosed was the reality. But she had to be introduced to the reality of what was, of what God had done. We oftentimes get so wrapped up in things, the reality of what God has done spiritually with us, in us, in our soul, is beyond us. Because we're so wrapped up oftentimes in the way it's been, That even though he says, you're delivered, I don't walk delivered. It's a fact, but I don't walk in it. Because I've been trained, I've been bound so long, it's hard for me to walk in it. I don't grasp it. It's something that's out there. But it's not in me. He had to introduce this woman to the reality of what he spoke into her life. There's a reality that God speaks into our life. It's a reality of life. It's a reality of health. It's a reality of mental health, of physical health, of well-being, of faith, of love, of purpose in God. It's a reality of being a new creature. It's a reality of being sanctified. It's a reality of walking with God. It's a reality of being a daughter of God, of being a son of God. It's a reality of being a new creature. That's the reality. But sometimes we don't get it. Even though it's a reality, even though I'm new, even though I'm born again, even though I'm saved and I'm redeemed, I'm so used to being bound and bent and tied in a knot that getting straight weighs me down. That woman was so used to carrying all those straws that when he said, the weight's gone. She couldn't comprehend it. She couldn't comprehend it. And she needed a touch. She needed something beyond the word that was made things real. Look, the same word that created the universe from nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. God made everything out of nothing. The same word that created us, the dust that he made us out of, The same lungs, spiritual lungs, it's an aphromorphism, he doesn't have lungs, 
but that breathed the breath of life into us and made us a living soul, could speak those words to us and say, you're new. You're new. You're alive. All things are new. That we doubt it. It can't be. Am I alone? Do we wrestle? Do we know the things that God has proclaimed and said in our life, but yet we don't see them happening? We see a struggle. We see, I'm I'm battling against what? And it sometimes takes for him to come and take me and straighten me up. And sometimes it's like you had to get behind me. I don't know if you've had to do this, Dr. Jeff. Put your knee on a back and grab shoulders and just wrench it back. That'd be quite a chiropractic move, wouldn't it? You know, that'd be a great move. Maybe for Ryan, but not for a chiropractor. (laughs) Let's get behind and step and just yank back. But sometimes God has to do that. Because what he has pronounced as reality, we don't see it as reality. Because we're so conditioned to our existence and to the perspective that we have come used to. Can I talk about perspective a little? Because there's two sides to the story. There's the side of the woman and the perspective that she had come to have before she was loosed. A perspective of looking down. A perspective of never being able to look someone in the eye. A perspective of shame, a perspective of guilt, a perspective of condemnation. You ever acquainted with any of those words? Do you know shame? Do you know guilt? Do you know condemnation? They come knocking all the time. It's a perspective that comes and says, you're never getting out of this. I got you. I got you bound with a strong rope. You can break a little string off a little cannoli box, but you're not breaking this rope. And if you do, I got a rope that fat. I got a tug of war rope in my shop. You're not breaking that, you know? It's a perspective that we've come to take after years and years of trying and failing. It's a perspective, a way of looking at things, a way of looking at the world, a way of looking at ourselves, a way of looking at even the power of God, a way of looking at even the church that says, yeah, do your best and just kind of, that's the way it is. It's just the way it is. It'll be different when I get to heaven. It'll be different someday. It's different for Pastor Wes, but... You know, that's past the West. He can live a victorious life. I just can't, I can't manage it. I can't swing it. You don't know. You just don't know the downward pressure. You don't know the things that, that grab a hold of me and want to pull me down. You don't know the perspective that I have of being bent over so long that it's just impossible. I know what you say. I know what the, the Word of God says. I know. I hear the, the guys preach it all the time. I know I'm free. I know it's going. I know I'm different. I know I have the, the bars have been open. I know I've been loosed. But you don't understand. You don't understand where I'm at. And the shame. And you know something? She praised God. And, and there's a question. The, the, the ruler of the synagogue would tell him, and, and I, underst- I, could, I can appreciate his perspective too, when he would say, look, there's six days. You can heal on six days. Why do you have to come here on this day to heal? 
It's six days. You can heal her any time. Well, there's a lot of reasons that he healed her that day. But you know one of the big reasons? There's not one more day that you have to. I'm here about glorifying God. We're here to glorify God. This is a daughter of Abraham. She's in the synagogue. She comes every week to the synagogue. She's here to glorify God, to learn about God. And the devil, who is the one who bound her, a spirit of infirmity, and Satan has bound her, it says, the devil is getting all the glory because she is bowed down, not able to praise him in a great posture, not able to look up, He's getting the glory. And Jesus is sitting there saying, you know what? He ain't getting the glory when I'm here. Not one more day of him getting the glory. God is going to get the glory for this. Why do I have to heal her today and upset everybody here? Your sensibilities of me doing something on the Sabbath day. I'll tell you why. The greater thing is that I'm not sitting here and letting this binder get the glory. But God will get the glory. And God wants to get the glory out of our lives. He made us for that purpose. And the glory that goes to God is not in us staying in a posture of defeat, staying even in our minds in a place of of defeat. I can't do it. There's no strength. I know what the word says, but the reality is I'm bound. I know what the word says, but the reality is I experience shame. I experience condemnation and I live in it. That's the reality. It's not the reality. And Jesus said, I'm not leaving this woman in this condition one more day. I don't really care about your sensibilities as much as I care about this person. I'm more into the person than I am about the, 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 the little, I have a nice P word that I wrote down somewhere, but I, so far off the notes, I don't know what it is. Huh? I'm more about the person than I am about how you look at things and want things to be all so sweet and cute. People are more important. People are more important than a, than a fanatical observance to a law that they themselves made rules. You know how the law works? The halakha, the, the, uh, they had a fence. The, the Old Testament law was the Torah. This is what it said. And they built a fence around it, way around it, so you wouldn't come close to breaking it. They called it halakha. One of the things in it said, if you're a tailor, you can't carry a pin, a needle, just stuck in your hat or in your, in your suit, just stick a pin uh, in your lapel and carry it around. Not that you're working, but you're, you're a tailor, so you have a needle, and so you just keep it in your lapel. You can't have that lapel, that pin in your lapel on the Sabbath day because even though that's not work, it's a little close to work. Well, it's not really close to work. It's kind of far from work. But we built a big wide fence around the law and you can't even go that far. 
And you can't heal on the Sabbath day. You can't work on the Sabbath day. You can't do any of this. And Jesus will say, wait a minute. Isn't it in your own, in your own sayings of the law that on the Sabbath day, you could take your animals because we care about your animals. And if they're thirsty and their tongue's hanging out, you can loose them and you can take them so that they can get some water. Isn't that what the law says? Well, yeah, that's what it says. You can loose animals so that they will be comfortable and can get water on a hot day. But I can't loose this woman, this daughter of Abraham from a bondage that she's been in for 18 years. Is that what you're telling me? It says at the end, they were all ashamed. Well, some of them were ashamed and some of them were glorifying God. Why did he have to heal her on the Sabbath day? He healed her so that God could get the glory. He healed her because he cared that not one more day do you have to live like this. And he healed her because this is the Sabbath day. It's like someone saying, I can't, don't heal me today because it's in church and we worship on Sunday and everybody's here and they'll all see it. Oh, we'll come back on Monday. Who will see it on Monday? Who's here on Monday? No one, even, we, don't, we have people here every day of the week, but on Monday, not Monday, right? Do we have anything on Monday? I don't think so. Huh? Every other Monday downstairs. Well, come on the off Monday. And nothing happening here on Monday. So why are you going to come here on Monday and be healed when no one's going to see it? And Jesus might be out of town. And who knows the woman had to maybe get a, a ride there on the back of a wagon because she, she had such a hard time walking. Don't, don't talk foolishness. Now's the day. Now is the time. Behold, this is the acceptable day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. It would be easy to say, wait till tomorrow. The kind of spirit she had is the kind that says, let's wait till tomorrow. We don't want to wait till tomorrow, spirit. Not wait till tomorrow. God is here today. You don't want to give the devil one bit of glory more. It's time to heal this woman. It's time to raise her up. And I want to do it in front of a crowd. I want people here to see. I want people to know that the one who walks in salvation and has healing in his wings is here walking in your midst. I want to see God do miracles, not because we can make it. Oh, he does miracles. I want to see God do miracles so that our perception, our mindset will change yeah, it's written, it's recorded, but it, I don't see it. It's not really reality. It's one of those things that's written down, but I don't see it happening. I want to see miracles so that our perception, our mindset, our understanding is that this is the normal thing that God does. I know what happens when I throw rocks at windows, windows break. I don't throw rocks at windows and expect them not to break. I expect them to break. I want to, I want to see things happen. I want to see God move and expect him to move because I've seen him move. It is my perspective. No longer looking down, having a perspective of, of this is just the way it is. I want a perspective of God is moving and will move and delivers. <coughs> and not only delivers, but will straighten me out. And I'll be able to get straight because God will straighten me out. Because after he says the word, 
He's going to touch me. He's going to make that reality plain before me. You want a touch from God? I'm going to touch from God. You are loosed. He proclaims it. He lays his hands on her. She sprung up. Her body assumed the position of her spirit. Her spirit was there. Our spirits are there. Problem is, our body doesn't line up with our spirit. Our walk, our reality, our daily life doesn't line up sometimes with our spirit. Is it just mine? Is your spirit on a different plane than your walk, than your reality? Oftentimes, oftentimes held down, beat down, pushed down, wanting to praise God and, and going through the show of it. And you know the show of it's important because praising God is a discipline. It's not to be done when you feel like it because if you do it when you feel like it, you won't get that much praising done. Because half the time we're bowed down. And when we're bowed down, I don't feel like praising because I'm so bowed down, so low. Can't go as low as Joey could go. But I'm bowed down so low that it's just not right before me to praise God. Praising God is a discipline. When we come in here, we stop praising God. If you feel like it, praise God. If you don't feel like it, praise God. You praise God long enough, you will feel like praising God. And that's what worship is. Worship is when you come before God and you stop praising him and worshiping him before you feel like it because you know who he is and you know, you know who he is. That's the, that's the reality of it. Public mockery deserves public healing. This woman was made an open spectacle and Jesus made the devil an open spectacle. Uh, and she wasn't the only one who needed to be loosed. We are a church where we value... Propriety over people. That was the P word. <laughs> propriety over people. We don't value propriety. We value people over propriety. It's not about looking all fancy and dignified. It's about people. That's what Jesus was about. The guy had a problem because he, he didn't violate the law either. He was perfect alliance with the law. He created the law. He understood the law. They twisted the law. You know, we twist things too. If I can just go here about this guy. I understand his position. He really wasn't a bad guy. He wouldn't say you can't heal. He didn't say you're healing by the power of the devil. He didn't say any of those things. He just said, today, really, today? How about tomorrow or yesterday? But Jesus had to do it today. But you know something? We get in a legalistic bind of looking at things and systems and the way things have to go that goes over people. People are what's important. People are, what's, people are the reason Christ came. Why? Because he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus loves you. God loves you. And while you're a sinner, while we're yet sinners, he died for us. He loves you. Don't make anyone... Feel, let you feel like you have to jump through hoops in worship of God. Like you have to jump through hoops in how you, in, in behavior and how you go about worship. Let God deal with you. Let his Holy Spirit dwell in you and take you to, to clean. You know, on the job, if you do too much, 
A lot of guys will tell you, you better stop it, you're making us look bad. You better just knock it off, tone it down, and, uh, and get in line with everybody else. In the, the world of God, people will tell you, you're just going off the tracks. You're just getting so holier than thou. Nobody's going to want to be with you. All you talk about is God. You can't go out and have a good time. You can have a greater time talking about God and living for God than you can have in the world. I'll tell you that right now. Our perspective has to change. There was a lot more perspective that had to change than this woman that was bowed down only seeing the ground. The perspective of the holier-than-thou religious super pious crowd sometimes has to change so that we can worship God in spirit and truth and not force people into boxes of our own making and having them do things that we think is important. The world uh, can seem like our norm instead of a heavenly perspective, but we need a perspective of God. And getting straight lets us rejoice in the glorious things of God. And isn't that what they did? And after, and when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. He wants us to be free. He set us free. And in spite of all the opposition and all the things, when he goes out to us and reaches for us and touches us, he will pull us into an alignment. Now, if you want to be, you're free. But if you need a touch today, if you need a perspective change, an alignment with the things of God, then I'm going to let you come right up here. And I'm not going to pray that God is going to do that for you. I am going to touch you with the touch of God, with the Holy Spirit, and he will align you. He didn't pray the Father. He didn't say anything. He already, the word was already done. He's already loosed. And then he went and touched her. The touch was something that straightened her out. So if you, if you stand with me. If you're here this morning and you're wrestling with this, and you know what the reality of God's word says, but you want that touch, you want to feel like you're aligned with God, you want to know that the door is open and the rope is cut and you're loosed, then you come forward, because we're going we're gonna to have some touching going on. Pastor West is, is here, and um, 